Hey, it's me, Marquis. Did you know that we have a YouTube channel? And it's the number one place on the platform for all things Asana. Inside, you'll find demos and tutorials that cover everything from getting started with Asana to how-tos on how to utilize the more advanced business and enterprise features that power the workflows of hundreds of thousands of satisfied users around the world. Visit asanasolutions.com to subscribe, like, and follow along so you don't miss a thing. Welcome to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Mark E. Murray. In Systems We Trust dives into all things systems and processes and interviews the professionals who are using them to change the landscape of their organizations every day. Are you ready for more clarity? Here we go. Welcome back to another episode of In Systems We Trust. My name is Marky. I'm your host. And today I'm speaking with Paul Cortman of Connects Digital. Paul brings a unique combination of skills and abilities to the table. His 12 years of experience in IT enables him to easily understand complex technologies, while his liberal arts degree has equipped him with outstanding people skills. His marketing expertise enables him to think strategically about business, and his years of experience as a small business owner allows him to clearly communicate with other, with other business owners. Paul has four children, loves horseback riding, and is looking for his next great hiking adventure. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's really fun to be here. Good. I'm glad. And again, thank you for uh, agreeing to do this. I know you are very, very busy. Um, and so definitely appreciate your time. Looking forward to digging in today. As I mentioned off air, you're our first um, Zapier expert when it comes to, um, you know, the tool and how we relate that to automation in business. So I'm looking forward to learning from you today. And I know we're going to chat about a lot. So uh, typically we'll start with any guests just kind of bringing us up to speed. I mean, you, you spoke in your bio about your, your varied background and what you love to do in your, your time off. But tell us what brings you to this point? Uh, what, what does your experience look like? What does your background look like? And how did you get to this point where you are today? Uh, crazy, crazy stories all over the map, trying to figure out what to do in life. And so it's really fun uh, working with my uh, high school age teenagers right now and they're trying to figure out what to do my kids i should say uh and they're trying to figure out what to do and it's like you know i've done like probably seven careers by now so i wouldn't worry about it and i think my seventh is the successful one we'll see how this goes uh i've only been doing it for 13 years so i think that's success at this point but to get right down to it i was running a digital marketing productized service agency and we in when it comes to productized service i hope that your audience understands like we were trying to automate as much as possible to to have like it's still human service involved but it's productized and so it's it's a clean sales pitch this is what it costs here's some add-on features and then we will fulfill it boom 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 done um, it was in the SEO business. It was uh, lake building. And uh, let's just say I didn't sleep well at night because, you know, all SEOs are snake oil salesmen. So, um, but the long and short of it is while I was doing that, while my team and I were doing that, um, we ended up using Zapier. And I know you focus a lot on Asana, but we use Zapier and Trello. And we built our entire system in that so that we could get client feedback we could 
acknowledge when we actually had a link acquired, et cetera. And so I could have, I don't want to say lower level employees, but I could have uh, folks doing stuff that then would trigger communications at a professional level to the client. And so this whole systematized and automated thing um, caught Zapier's attention. And so, you know, wandering around trying to figure out how to do life, I ended up building a system. Zapier caught a hold of that and said, hey, we want you to be part of our experts program that we're starting. And we want you to build that for other people. Uh, and so to give you an idea, folks who come to Zapier, uh, you know, multi-step Zap, like, like, how can I get a thing that does this and then does this and then does this? We had, we had broken the system a couple of times with Zapier by building 99 step Zaps. Um, they put an arbitrary limit of a hundred steps. We're, we're more efficient now. Zapier has grown up. Uh, in the last six years, five years. And so there's different ways to do things. So it doesn't take 99 steps. But um, yeah, I've built multiple 99 step zaps. And uh, yeah, so that just brings us to today where now we run a 16 person agency um, that all we focus on is process automation uh, and data manipulation for our clients. So getting hey, Paul, how can I get it so that when I do this action in this spreadsheet, it sends this email? Or how can I get it when I'm working in Airtable that it does X, Y, and Z in my email marketing campaign, et cetera? Okay, very cool. So I'm curious, meaning getting to that 99 um, action you know, limit, did you break the system? Did you break Zapier and then they had to get involved? Or no. what, what did that look like? Okay. I haven't. I haven't yet. I've I've been super impressed with Zapier's uh, backend and infrastructure. I haven't ever really broken Zapier, but we have gotten to the point of where there's a little error that says you can't do that, and uh, you, we've reached out to Zapier support and said, "Hey, can we get past this?" And there's been sometimes because I've been there because I don't want to say you know the right people, but you, you know. At one point in time, my picture was on a fridge in the office of somebody, but um, they they uh, they give us special exceptions now and again. And so, um, for example, like they limit paths, how many paths you can have when you get into this branching logic, etc. If this, then do that. Otherwise, if this, do that. They limit how many paths you can have, and we have a special arrangement that we can get past that limit. Um, I mean, so, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that in your relationship with, with Zapier. I mean, are you connected with their product team? Are you helping them make decisions on which way the product goes? Or are you delivering for their for their clients? Curious what percentage of the relationship is, um, you know, back-end so, product versus client support? Very little of it is back-end product. Um, the the product teams that I am connected with are the ones who are doing um, more your new features. So tables, interfaces, and their uh, latest with AI. So I, I, I work with those teams frequently, um, but me personally, I should say. Um, 
But then, you know, our whole agency works with their partnership team. And so that's just fulfilling work for their clients. And, uh, you know, we're making people happier with Zapier. That's why the name, it rhymes with happier. In case you ever wondered, that's where you can tell he's a dad. I just tripped onto that, so I have yeah. to bring it out. Um, but you know, as w- you're around a company, you're servicing a company's clients long enough, and eventually you just get to know the right people. Um, and so there's some folks over at support that know us and know, hey, when they asked for this, uh, you know, we've gotten special exceptions. But you know, when it comes to like actual product development and whatnot, we they keep us at a at an arm's reach. Um, us consultants. So uh, we try to push the system a little too hard sometimes. And, and they're just like, that's not your, so we're advanced users, uh, us consultants are. And so we know where the skeletons are. We know how far the limits can go. And the average user won't ever face that. And so the struggles we face on the product uh, Zapier is like, well, that's not you're not our core user. We don't care. They're not that cold about it, but they want to make it as simple as possible for anybody who can use Google Office Suite or whatever, you know, Google Docs. If you can create a Google Doc, if you can create a Google slide presentation, then you should be able to create an automation in Zapier. And that's one of the things as far as like, startups and, and SaaS world that I'm really impressed with Zapier is that they stay true to their mission better than anybody else I've ever seen. And they don't get pulled away by, oh, we need this shiny object or that shiny object, even to the point that lately they've been working with AI, which is a shiny object, you might say, but their whole goal is to bring it to the average user and the average person. If you can build a Google spreadsheet, you should be able to use AI to automate your integrations. And that's what Zapier is working on. That's great. I, I love the, you answered what my question was going to be, which is who is the core user? You know, what is it for? For anyone who's listening though, who is not familiar with Zapier, who's never even tried to create a Zap, um, what does it look like uh, under the hood? You know, what are some of the things you can do with it just to kind of shed some light on the, the functionalities of the platform? Yeah, so a lot of people who don't know about it come to Zapier thinking, uh, firstly, about social media. And so when I tweet, I want it to also go to LinkedIn or I want it to also go to Facebook or whatever. That drives me crazy. And if you come to me with those questions, I probably won't do very well. Um, Where it comes into good play. So Zapier is a bridge. Zapier is an integration tool and where it comes into success is when you're dealing with a business, small, medium, large, whatever, and you need to get data from one software application into another software application or into multiples. And so that data could be a lead. Let's say, for example, I receive leads over email and they come in from, but I'm a realtor. One of our realtor clients receives leads over email. They come from Zillow, so they're formulated correctly, but they come over email. And he's like, but I use this CRM tool over here, and I have to copy and paste it in. And so what I often talk to folks about when they're looking at how do I, where can I use Zapier? Don't focus on 
I mean, yeah, you can look at what tools you're using, et cetera, but focus more on in your business, in your job, in your workflow, where are you copying and pasting? Anytime you're copying and pasting, that's so 2010. And so we, you know, we need to get you into the next decade here where we can automate that. You push a button, that data goes in. Um, the second thing is, is anytime you're repeating tasks. So every time I get this type of email, I have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, or anytime you're following a process. So just like I said, X, Y, and Z. When this happens, I have to do this. That's when we start talking automation. Um, I'm a huge Zapier fanboy, uh, but the there are other tools that can help. It's more along the lines of choosing the right tool. We are tool agnostic, even though we're, well, we were won the Zapier Expert of the Year Award last year. Um, but we are still tool agnostic and we want to make sure that you're like, okay, instead of you have this checklist, this SOP, this process that you're following, how can we help you to get it so that those dominoes trigger automatically and everything happens and it moves you into more of a higher level thinking in whatever position or role you're in instead of, okay, I'm the lead generator and I have to, every time I get a lead on Facebook, I have to move it over into our CRM. It's like, okay, well, how can we get you into higher level thinking of which Facebook ads generate more leads and which Facebook ads do I need to tweak and adjust knowing that those leads automatically get into the Sierra. So that's my whole, that's our full mission in business. Based on industry, like, I mean, you're, you're talking about sales here, which can go across any um, type of industry. Are there specific automation strategies that you'd implement for a certain type of business or department that are more or less baseline that you just have seen implemented so many times that you just kind of come in and you say, Hey, you need this, we're going to set it up for you? Or does it really just come down to the specific use case and the needs of that business? Well, both. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit of a generalist in the fact that like automation applies to every vertical, every industry, every department. Um, but there are certain things that it's like, okay, leads. Leads need to get tracked, put into a CRM. You know, we're talking sales. So certain functions in each department, um, fulfillment, uh, shipping, production, uh, uh, management of floor, um, so ERP, MRP, those sorts of things, all of these are can be automated systems. Um, so just like I was talking about how we started out with our Trello system of like fulfilling a service to a client that can be automated and so it's more along the lines of for me being the generalist of like yes all departments all industries etc but um you know is there a focus could we focus yeah everybody says you know choose a niche focus on that etc i have a mission to solve everybody's problem and so i don't I, I can't limit myself, but uh, the, the idea is, okay. So I mentioned leads. I mentioned, you know, like ERP status changes. 
that's a big thing. And so anytime there's a workflow, a document that you're producing on, you know, regularly, you have to uh, produce these reports. Okay, well, what's the status of the report? Who's it waiting on? What's the next step, et cetera? And if you have, whether it's Trello, ClickUp, Asana, Monday.com, something, um, Airtable that you're tracking this in, okay, well, then when we change the status to this, we want that information pushed elsewhere. We want another report pulled. We want this to happen. And so, like, it can be in fulfillment, it can be in notification, it can be client customer communications. Anything can be automated. And as I mentioned earlier in the show here, you know, if you can, well, how I like to say it is if you can put it in a logical English statement, when this happens, do this. And you can also include those branching statements. So when this happens, if this value is X, do that. If that value is Y, do this. If you can write that process out, even bullet points, it can be automated. And now think of, now you don't have to repeat that again. You've built the process and now a machine follows it and it just makes life better. Very cool. How do you draw the line between a native integration? You know, like, so we have, we, we want to connect two tools. My, the ones that are coming to mind right now are Asana and HubSpot, but it could be Trello and HubSpot or whatever that CRM is. And, you know, as things evolve, as technology evolves and needs evolve from the users, I mean, we're seeing more and more native automations and integrations being rolled out all the time. Is there a rule of thumb or do you have, a, you know, more or less a thought on keeping everything in Zapier as much as possible so you can audit and keep it all clean? Or is there a nice marriage between native features and integration and then um, tying in a third party integrator like Zapier? Yeah. I'll do even one step further. So uh, Zapier has its limits. So I'll add a third step onto okay. that, which is building a custom integration. Uh, and it can be on Zapier's platform, but it could also be off, you know, and just be like a script, you might say. So there are pros and cons to all the ways of doing that. The native integration, I try to use those as best as possible. Because I try to recommend my clients use those. The reason for that is it's going to cost less. Let's just be honest. Zapier does have to make money to keep their infrastructure running. And so for every task, for everything you run through it, there's a cost. Now you pay a monthly subscription, which allots so many tasks. But if you can use less of those, then you could lower your subscription cost. So in the grand scheme of things, generally speaking, your native integrations are going to be cheaper, especially at volume. So if we're talking like thousands of data points that you're pushing through every month, I would stick with native integrations. However, native integrations have limits and they have problems. And the auditability, if that's even a word, isn't always there. Um, yeah, <laughs> you've heard it here, folks. Um, but in Zapier, uh, you know, yes, it does have more auditing capabilities. Uh, so, you know, then we might move to that. Uh, but sometimes there's like, I'll just take HubSpot's a really bad example because they have a really good Zapier integration. 
but let's say um, CRM alpha, uh, which doesn't exist that, that I know of. But let's say that has an, inter- an, uh, an integration with Zapier where it only can take in new leads, but when you change a deal to one, it doesn't have a trigger in Zapier. And it's like, oh, well, the native integration doesn't do what I need it to do. The Zapier integration doesn't do what I need it to do. We can go that one step further of like, okay, do we build a custom integration with Zapier? So again, you just build the one side of the bridge from uh, CRM alpha to Zapier that then can integrate with, you know, the 6,000 apps that are out there on Zapier. So, you know, Asan. So when I mark it as closed one approved inside my CRM alpha, I now can trigger anything in Zapier, which could include uh, Asana and now create a project and do all those things. So that's where, uh, you know, I take your question and I'll raise you one um, as if we're playing poker or something here. Um, but just, you know, that there's, there's a need for the need. I like native integrations if they're available. Obviously, I'm a Zapier fanboy, so I'll go to Zapier as quick as I can if it doesn't have the functionality I need, uh, the native integrations. And then I'll take it one step beyond that. If Zapier doesn't have the integrations I need or the functionality I need, then I will do, you know, we'll either build it on Zapier or we'll build it off of Zapier. Hey, if you're enjoying the episode, I need to ask you a favor. Would you just take a minute to leave a quick rating and review? This helps the podcast get in front of other listeners just like you. Any help to get the word out is always much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Obviously, there's so much you can do on the platform. Like, I love that you broke it down and said that if you can bullet point what you need, it can be automated. I'm curious about your customers, though, the people that you're serving in this market, what are they typically looking for? So you show up, they say, hey, we want you to come and automate our business. Great. So what are the typical asks, right? And then when you come in and audit, if they are using the platform already, what are some of the mistakes that you see business owners making? I got to be really careful because if any of my clients are listening, this is going to be a problem if I talk about their mistakes they're making. Um, No names, no names. So a lot of the times people, the mistakes they get is they, they, well, there's one newbie mistake when they come to Zapier is they're just like, oh, well, you know, when I get a new record in Salesforce, I want it created in QuickBooks. And it's like, you actually have to map every field. It's not that easy. It's not just like, okay, new contact here, new contact there. It's, okay, well, this one has five potential email fields, and this one only has one potential email field. So what do we do if they have those other four fields filled out? And that's where when you know mistakes that are made are made in that concept of they just generally people expect well it's just magic everybody says zapier is so easy it's like well you got to take it one step further of mapping field to field um if you can get that concept then you'll be much further along and make fewer mistakes because 
you'll understand, oh, well, Salesforce has 4,000 fields um, for each record type. Not, I, I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit there. Uh, HubSpot and Salesforce have a lot of fields. And you can, cust- you can create custom fields. And so now you have even more data. And it's like, well, how much of that data am I going to map to whatever system I'm sending it to? Where can I find that data? What is that data? And so sometimes it depends on the personality type. Uh, sometimes it helps to get in and play with it and try to do the data mapping yourself. Sometimes it helps to just say, all right, I can speak it in English, but I need somebody else to do the data mapping and and let them take care of that. So it depends on your personality type and what, how much you want to be involved. But um, mistakes, those are the, that's the number one mistake I see when people come to Zapier the first time is they're just like, well, I hooked this and this up. And all they did was authenticate their QuickBooks and authenticate their Salesforce account. And it's like, it, it doesn't just sync automatically. You have to tell it how, um, or, and, and to tell it when. So that's the other thing. Uh, another mistake I see people making is, uh, what we call bi-directional sync. And so when a contact is created in Salesforce, create the contact in QuickBooks. Well, when that contact is created in QuickBooks, I when you know, or if my QuickBooks person creates a contact, I want that to go create in Salesforce. And it's like, well, you just created a loop now, and so it usually doesn't happen in creation. It's more along the lines of in updates. And so, if a name or an address or an email address is changed, then they want that to go back and forth. Um, we've had that a lot with ticketing systems. So help desk, support desk, ticketing systems. Um, they, you know, one uses Jira and one uses service desk or something like that. And they want them to communicate. So if there's a ticket in Jira, there's a corresponding ticket in service desk. When there's an update in Jira, it gets updated in service desk. When it gets updated in service desk, it gets updated in Jira. That is a huge mistake. And you can add at least two decimal points onto any quote for a service provider to help you with that because it's just complex. Of course. Now, is Zapier smart enough to recognize that it's in the middle of a loop or will it just max out your tasks and then you're wondering what's going on? Max out your tasks. It happens all the time. They usually, there's some catches in place that, you know, you'll max out, max out your tasks pretty quickly on that day. And then Zapier, you know, if you do that once, Zapier will forgive that and reset your task usage um, as long as they're sure that you've cleaned up that loop and that you're not going, you promise not to do it again. So, you know, Scout's Honor, I won't do it again and all of this. And then they'll, they'll forgive that. We've done that on behalf of a lot of clients that they create those loops, then they come to us, we fix the loop, prevent the loop, and then go and get tasks redemption or i don't know get just get forgiveness and uh and so it's possible zapier is a reasonable company that way can you set a limit on what those tasks are either daily or weekly so it it can pick up on any irregularities so you can there's like we're going to not want to do that i would never set it up that way um 
But just to give you an idea, we'll get real meta in our conversation here. Not to say Zuckerberg's company, because he stole a vernac a term in our vernacular, and that's not okay. But uh, to raise the conversation up, you can actually use a zap to control a zap. So there's a zap manager tool that you can use to uh, trigger when there's so many errors, trigger when there's so many tasks used. Uh, Etc. And then you can turn zaps on and off. So remember that whole logic tree that I was talking about. So you can trigger every day at noon and look at how many tasks were used in that. And if it's over 500 tasks, turn that zap off. So there are ways to do it. I never implemented that, nor do I foresee a logical reason to do that because we try to build systems that are more, well, they can handle it. You know, you code around those problems instead of, and, and I'll put that code in air quotes, you no code around the errors so that you can prevent that from happening. And I'm curious, like, what do your engagements typically look like? Because there's obviously so many different places that you can begin. You come in and either you're assessing a loop or you're at the very beginning of one of these engagements, you know, all of the the reasons you listed why your customers would reach out to you, right? You're you're trying to investigate and see where you start. And so are you doing an audit? What does your discovery look like at that point? Um, just curious how you you really dig in and then how you work with your clients kind of month over month. Yeah. So we've settled on three different modalities, um, to use a big term, whatever. Uh, and so the first one is super simple to understand is just pure consulting. And some people, you know, you can come to us at any stage in the process and you just, Hey, I've looked at some YouTube videos. I've, I've gone through this. I can't figure it out. Can you just help me do it for me while I watch or tell me what to do and get me over these hurdles. And so coach, that's more or less. Yeah. Coach, okay. teach, train, consult. And so that's, just hourly, we run a discount at so many hours, whatever. Um, but then the second modality that we do, I prefer to refer to as uh, fractional engineering. And so that's basically like, we know we need help. We know we're in this big systematized situation and, or we need to build this database and we need these integrations, but we don't, we can't scope it. We don't know the full project and it may change as we get into it um but let's but we need help and so that's where we would have you know x number of hours per week of a fractional engineer who would just run down the punch list run down the checklist you get some strategy with that as well um which is just like okay well let's talk through what is what is it you're trying to do how can we accomplish that and then assign it to an engineer and it gets done. The third modality is what I would refer to as your excuse me, traditional project scope. And that's just if we could, sometimes clients will pay us to develop their scope for them. So we'll actually do a full on discovery project and develop their scope. And then they can take that scope of work and form it to our competitors as well as us and get a quote, a competitive quote on that. But what that will be is we will have that English logic put together 
of like, this is what needs to happen in this department between these softwares. Uh, we research the capabilities. Yes, it is actually possible to do these integrations, to build these tables, this database, et cetera. And then, you know, obviously we're not stupid. And so when we deliver one of those discoveries, one of those scopes, we put a quote with it as well and say, okay, well, here's your statement of work that you can take and farm out to anybody and they can quote it. Here's our quote for it already. And, um, yeah, and those those projects can be complex. Um, where they can be simple-ish. We're doing a data migration for Quora right now, and you think, Quora, that couldn't be simple, is it? And it's like, well, we're dealing with 10,000 docs or more, but they're looking for us, can we do a proof of concept? And so we agreed to a very limited scope and a proof of concept. And, you know, we'll see if we can actually, if our assumptions are correct, if we can actually do it. Um, and then if so, then we'll do the 10,000 documents, which will be fun. I want to hear more about that, but I'm going to back up real quick for one second. Let's talk beyond the English logic, because for me, when we're looking at, you know, someone's systems and we're, we're trying to figure out how to build a workflow inside of Asana. We're often, you know, process mapping or building on a flowchart for them to understand the ins and the outs, who's involved and um, where the pain points are. And so we like to visualize it. But I've been in a lot of meetings where, you know, we're kind of describing what the steps need to look like. And I just see my customer's eyes glaze over. So how are you relaying this really important information to them? Do you get as deep as to process map and share that with them? Or are you just keeping them you know, on the kind of, not, not the outside, but are, are you limiting it to that English logic because you know that that's the best way for them to understand it? I try to bullet point things as much as possible um, because it covers the two generally, like, I don't want to just put people in two categories, you know, those who need the overview and those who need the detail. Um, but if if we super generalize, that is two main categories that I deal with as far as person personality types. And I find that the visual is good for not, excuse me, not good for nothing, but just people don't dig into it. They don't understand it. They, you know, whatever, they got to spend a lot of time with it to understand. It. And so I find that if I can bullet point it in that English language, that is my best way to make it happen that when this happens then we will do this or the system will do this we'll build the system to do this this and this and you know here's the potential failure failure points here's the potential or here's the assumptions that we have uh etc and so what i try to do as you're talking through you know if you're talking through just well what is your workflow process and what is that? And and I just get people talking and I don't actually draw it out. I write it out in bullet points because then they're able to digest that and say, yes, that is true. Or if my if then statements aren't correct, like, well, yeah, if it's over, at, you know, 3,000, then do this. If it's under 3,000, do this. But I also forgot to tell you, if it's black, 
and over 3,000, I need to do that. If it's blue and over 3,000, I also need to do that. And so then we add in a sub-logic statement. In a, in a process map workflow, that would get ugly. And so I try to do that with bullet points. But what that means is then my Google Doc gets really long because it's just, you know, it's indented bullet points of like, when this happens, here's the next step. And then we move on to process number two, um, et cetera. So awesome. And it sounds like you've done both, right? And, and taken away the, the, the kind of best of, of both options and arrived at where you're at now. Let's get back to the, 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 the document migration. You're talking about Quora. Would that be your most complex um, build out to date? Or is there another one that you can speak to? I'd love to see just how deep you, you, you've got with the platform. Maybe it's that 100 um, step process. Can you speak a bit more to that? So the, I got to be careful because we've expanded beyond that that we're doing a lot of notion, a lot of air table. And so complexity starts showing up in there. Um, what when it, when it comes to actual complexities, um, probably just trying to think. Zapier, okay, so Zapier's done a good job at releasing a couple of different new tools and made it significantly easier to make it less complex. So where the one These that I'm working on apps. right now. Yeah. So like yeah. Loop. Okay. Okay. Loop is an example. Subzap is an example. If you just search on Zapier's blog for Subzap or search on Zapier's blog for Loop, um, then they have how to documents and they can explain this but basically like looping is okay so for every uh person for every email in this lead for every email in this listing do x y and z uh and so now you can have these loops inside of a zap which makes it complex but also doesn't because before we had that we had to fire off a new zap for each email address let's say and so there's the complexities mostly come in the one that I'm working on now that's significantly complex. And I happen to personally be working on it because it's a consulting project. And so it's not my engineering staff who's doing it. Um, and, and I don't know the why, but they're using Salesforce for their, they're not technically using Salesforce for their invoicing but they want to. And so they want to put an invoice date, an invoice amount, and a checkbox for, okay, now send that invoice. Well, now we have to do a bunch of logic because could it be six different invoices for this one project? Who do we send the invoice to? Um, you know, what is the project name or type? And then does QuickBooks actually have that? So they're actually issuing invoices via QuickBooks but I think we're at 60 steps for that zap right now of just like, it's all that conditional logic, but then data manipulation because they have a dropdown in Salesforce of who is the person that's working this deal or that, you know, this prospect, the, the owner. Yeah. But not just the owner, it's the 
um, the consultant. So they're a consultancy as well. And so the, con the coach on this project. So now we, the coach has their own billing code inside QuickBooks. And so now we have to not only create the invoice, but now we have to create a payment to that coach in QuickBooks. And so there's, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper into um, what we need to do. And then we need to delay the zap to only go out on this certain date based on whatever they put in. So the latest one they came to me was, we created a couple of custom fields for expenses. And now we need you to add expenses if this Adam there, if not that, then Adam here. And it's like, well, that's great English. That's going to take a little bit to work that in because the way QuickBooks deals with line items, it just, it takes a little bit to make that happen. So, you know, an extra seven steps uh, to get that logic in. That would be the most complex one that I'm thinking of right now. And it's because Salesforce isn't an invoicing tool. And so they're using the way they did it, which works, makes it that there's a lot of data manipulation before the last step, which is creating the actual invoice inside QuickBooks. So yeah, it's 60 steps to accomplish one thing, and that's just creating an invoice. But they're quite happy with it. Well, knowing all that you know now about Zapier, about other no-code, low-code tools, you said you're branching out to Airtable and Notion. If you had to start over again, would Zapier be the tool that you kind of hit your wagon to? Because we have, you know, Make, formerly Integramat, and I don't want to jeopardize your partnership at all, but you, you need to automate .io, N8N. Why did you choose Zapier? And what are the big differences if someone is exploring which of these third-party integrators to um, invest in. So I'll go back. We could go to the browser wars. We could go to the operating system wars. We could still look at our cell phone wars. It generally boils HD. down. Yeah, it generally boils down to there's two players. There's, you know, 80% of the market is covered by two players and then there's everything else. And it's kind of muddy down there at the everything else. So NAN, by the way, automate.io doesn't exist, but NAN and um, Pipe, I always say it wrong, Pipe Dream. Um, yeah, Pipe Dream. They're, they're in the muddied waters. Of, they're very good at what they do, but they're very not popular and difficult and don't have the full integrations. Whereas you get a Zapier and a Make. By the way, we're partnered with both of those. So I get to mention both of those. I just can't take clients from one and push them to the other. Um, the they, I love them both. Uh, I personally am a, am a Zapier fanboy. Would I hitch my wagon to make when it was Integromat versus Zapier? The moment I heard about Integromat, we hitched our wagon to it, but we were already hitched to Zapier. So we have a, a bipolar disorder as far as our business is concerned. Um, but they they really do different, different offerings. It's the same fundamental concept of a bridge moving data from one place to another, connecting it, automating it. 
but we can build apps with Maybe. And Zapier is trying to make that happen, but it just isn't right there. Zapier's target market is the end user who's good enough to use Google Docs. That is their target audience. Make's target audience is not that at all. Make's target audience is uh, technical people, really, who want to use low-code, no-code to automate things and have it stable. And so you have to think technically when you come to Make, whereas Zapier tries to make it pretty and you don't have to think about it. And so you know we can think of uh, certain operating systems that operate one way or the other. Um, you know, like if you've ever jumped into the, I forget what it was even called, but like, yeah, the settings area inside, um, windows versus the settings area inside Mac, Mac just, these are the only three settings that you ever get to choose. And windows gives you 5,000 settings. Well, that is a very similar comparison to Integromat, excuse me, make which will give you all of the power, all of the settings, but with much power comes great responsibility and, uh, and you can really screw it up in the sense of like not knowing it just, it's confusing to the average user. And so Zapier focusing on more the average user. Now, if the, if you're hiring somebody to do it, it doesn't matter and you never want to look at it and you don't have to carry about, care about it. You just have to function. Well, then it goes down to, are the automations already there? Are the integrations already there, I should say? So QuickBooks has a limited functionality on Zapier. It's wide open on Make. For that sense, we would go to Make. Well, Zapier now released a feature, and so now it's wide open on Zapier as well. So that's no longer a fair comparison. But generally speaking, if it's available on both, Make is actually cheaper. And so, you know, there's lots of other factors and variables. How difficult is it to use? How much power does it have? Are, are the integrations? But if, if you're doing apples to apples, it's got the integrations built and you don't care. You could use either platform. It, you're hiring it done so you, it, you don't have to be technical. Make is actually cheaper. As far as how we built our business, how we've hitched it, we are continuing to expand our strategic partnerships because we believe that low-code, no-code is the future, and we believe that people will still come to us for help with low-code, no-code, and that's what we want to do is build out systems, build out solutions for people on platforms that they can they can manage themselves. Um, we just are there to help. Well said. If you had to leave the listeners today with with um, a warning or a PSA or just you know words of wisdom, Paul, when it comes to implementing automation, uh, third party integrators, AI within your business, what would that message be today? Do it. You're already late. Just do it. And so that's that's the concept is. If you've heard of this before, if you've thought about doing it for six months, stop thinking, hire it done, get it done, find somebody on Upwork, get your friend's cousin to do it, but automate your business. 
it will actually save you time. Um, I, you know, we started this off saying I'm busy. I'm taking a season here of where I'm working less than 20 hours a week as a business owner because I can. And so I'm doing a lot more traveling now again. Um, that's what makes me busy now is I'm on a flight again on Monday. That's just what's going to happen. Uh, and I just landed on Tuesday. So, you know, eh, this is life for me right now. Um, but that, that is only because we put so many automations in place that systems are moving and going. I just saved one of my clients 15 hours a month. Every month it took her 15 hours to do invoicing across the 500 projects that they work on. And, um, she, you know, and it took us three months to build it through consulting, but now it was less than 15 total hours across three months. But now every month she was given 15 hours back. And July was her first month where she's like, Paul, I have 15 hours to do what I want. And where have you so, been my whole life? Right. My advice to anybody, last remaining thoughts is you're already too late. You have to do this to save yourself the time and automate your business. And if someone is ready to take that plunge, where's the best place that they can connect with you? You know, that nice, nice word. So connect.digital. Yeah, it's C-O-N-N-E-X and then dot the word digital. There's no dot com because it's the future, folks. Um, So it's just connects.digital. That's the best place. I'm really terrible at social media because I love actually living the Instagram life instead of Instagramming my life. Um, and so, uh, yeah, personally go to our website. There's, you can book a discovery call, a free discovery call right from there. And, uh, and we can just get to chatting and, and see what happens. Paul, thanks so much for your time. I personally learned a lot. I took a ton of notes here. Um, I can't wait to dig deeper into the tool. Cause what I didn't say off the top was that I've been using Zapier for years, 12, 13 years now. And it was recently I was doing a partner certification exam and I had to, I had to back out of it. I had to say, Hey, I'm not ready because I had realized only in that moment that I've only scratched the surface as to what Zapier can do. There's so much that I don't know. So I I so appreciate you sharing. We're going to stay connected because I have so many more questions and uh, ways that I think we can work together. So thanks so much for your time today. Definitely appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the In Systems We Trust podcast with Marquis Murray. If you liked what you heard today, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Don't forget to rate the episode and share it with a friend. 